Welcome to Gnostic Insights. My name is Dr. Sid Ropp, and I'm your host. Greetings and welcome back to Gnostic Insights. This morning I watched a video that was recommended to me by one of my listeners, and the video was on YouTube. It was Grant Morrison on Chaos Magic, the Occult, and Sigil Creation. I think he was recommending that I watch it because he felt it was of value. He probably also felt that it was Gnostic. I know that a lot of people that call themselves Gnostic are hermeticists, are magicians. And that is a gnosis in the sense that it is occult, and occult meaning secretive. That's what occult means, hidden. But true Gnosticism, in my point of view, certainly the Valentinian Gnosticism that comes from the Nag Hammadi, it is not a cult in that sense of purposely hidden. The only reason that true gnosis is hidden is because people do not have eyes to see and ears to hear. It's not because the material is hidden. I have been sharing with you now for an entire year Gnostic wisdom, Gnostic insights. And if people don't get it, It's certainly not because I'm withholding from you or I am holding anything back. Whereas hermeticism, occultism, purposely holds things back. Even formal Gnosticism, the type of ancient Gnosticism that is being passed down in the form of a reawakening of ancient Gnostic church, that is also a form of occult because they have secrets. Only the higher-ups get to know these things. And I don't think that that's right. I think that Gnosticism is only a cult because people don't have the wisdom to understand it. But once your eyes are opened, once you are enlightened, the Gnosis comes and the occult disappears, because Gnosis is knowledge and a cult is hidden. So, Looking at Grant Morrison's version of magic, I watched it with an open mind because I know that a lot of Gnostics embrace this sort of hermetic occultism and call themselves Gnostics for doing so. I reject that. Magic is not Gnosticism. And in my own Gnostic Gospel Illuminated, you know, my famous uh, list of vices and virtues, you may have noticed that the very last two entries I have here as examples of the Father versus the Demiurge are miraculous versus magical. So I put magical on the side of vice, flat out. Okay, so I try to approach this talk with an open mind, 
and I listened to the entire thing. And as I watched, it stimulated some thoughts in me, and I wrote down some notes, and I thought that I would share them with you today. First of all, there's no doubt in my mind that magic does work. I don't think that magic is a fairy tale, so it's not because I don't believe in magic that I am arguing against it. On the contrary, I think that magic can be powerful, but I don't think that we are supposed to be the people that wield it. You know, I spoke at the Astronosis Conference a couple of months ago, right? And there were magicians there in the audience. And I have met other magicians before. I actually know a couple of magicians. I have to tell you, I don't like their vibes in general. I don't like their vibes. Same thing when I walk into a New Age conference. I don't like the vibes. So... I would say that it's my sense of discernment that can show me, or begin to show me, truth from deception. And my own personal inner sense of discernment, my radar, tells me, eh, I don't know about those magicians. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like love in general. It doesn't feel like compassion. It feels to me like power guided by ego. Now let me explain more what I mean. The magicians apparently believe that if they practice it, the magic correctly, they will have effective results. I will stipulate that to be true. I'm not going to say you can't do magic. But what I would say is the things that the magician wishes for or prays for why are they going after those things? What is their goal? I think that generally the goal is to fill their desires. And indeed, this fellow did talk about desire. He said that magic makes everyone's desire manifest. Well, really? Are you wise enough to desire what is best for yourself? I mean, how do you know what you need in order to be made right. I think of my dog, for example. My dog often wants things that are going to make him sick or even make him dead. My dog has a real knack for pulling on his leash just when a car is coming as if he's trying to commit suicide by car. I have to pull him back to keep him from running under the car's wheels. Now, if my dog was a magician and his desire was to cross the street when the car was coming, he'd most likely get run over. But let's say that my dog was an effective magician and instead of getting run over, he was able to stop the car from running him over. Well, how's he going to do that? Who's behind the wheel of the car? Is his desire more exalted, more valid than the person's desire to move his car from point A to point B, what gives the dog the right to stop that car? So that would be one argument I would give. Mainly, I would say that being able to manifest our desires <laughs> and have them actually come true is a recipe for disaster. You remember in um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, how that one child always wanted to eat Turkish delight. It was this candy and he loved it to death. And he was always wishing for the Turkish delight. And then 
Whenever he'd get as much as he wanted to eat, it just made him sick. My dog does the same thing. You know, any dog, if you let him eat all the treats he wants to, he's going to keep eating until he becomes either obese or has fatty liver disease. Something's going to happen to that dog that eats all he wants. Gluttony is on the side of vice, not on the side of virtue. So I don't think it's a good thing to have your desires fulfilled just because you want them. Even if, let's say, your desire is to help humanity. Let's say, oh yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to just eat and not throw up or not get fat. I don't want to eat all I want and, and have that be my desire. Although I bet you that's many people's desire. I just want to help the world. I want to help my, my grown child, uh, get off of drugs or I want to help my friends from being in the screwed up thinking they have. I want to do good in the world. That's what I want to use my magic for. Yeah, well, what makes you think you know what they need in order to come through to the other side of enlightenment? I just don't have the faith in people's ability to discern what is best for the world. That's why in the spiritual traditions, it's generally recommended that we not practice the magic, that we leave it to God and the angels to fulfill the way things are supposed to go. Not my will, but thine be done, said Jesus. I'd rather trust in the Christ to give me what I need for my development. And I do trust in the Christ. See, that's what it means to believe in the Christ, is that you believe that the Christ knows what's best for you. Now, listen, if you don't think that the Christ in the abstract knows what's best for you, well, then you don't believe in the Father and the Son and the Pleroma and the Christ. You believe in man. And there is a word for that. It's called humanism. And generally, people who are humanists believe that humans know what's best and they don't need God. They certainly don't need anybody else to tell them what. They know what's best and they'll go about trying to be very helpful. I personally know a couple of atheists here in town of my acquaintance who are very good humanists. They are real do-gooders. They actually do devote themselves to helping other people in the community and helping other animals in the community because they don't believe in God and they don't think God's going to do it. So first of all, you need to decide if you're a Gnostic, whether you believe in the Father and God's will. If you don't, then you're not a Gnostic. That's a definitional item. What I teach, remember, is Valentinian Gnosticism, which is similar to Christianity. It is a form of proto-Christianity, you could say, because there's Christ. So the humanists have very big egos. They've got great big egos because they believe that they themselves know what's best. Now, you may say, well, heck, if I don't know what's best for myself, well, who does? Well, yeah, exactly. Does the government? If you lived in a socialist or communist country, would you really trust the bureaucrats and the politicians to know what's best for you? Well, I don't. I don't trust them. 
I barely trust in our own politicians. Most of them are also egotists. You don't become a world-class politician without having a tremendously huge ego, do you? So then who can you trust if you don't trust yourself? That's where the God comes in. That's where the Christ comes in. And I'm not saying your local priest or your local minister or the demiurgic Yahweh that you read about in the Old Testament. I'm not even necessarily saying to believe in St. Paul or St. John or any of these other, quote, saints of the New Testament. And I don't believe most of what I read in uh, the Nag Hammadi, to tell you the truth, because, yeah, a lot of those books were just written by men. Hey, I've written a gospel myself. It's called the Gnostic Gospel Illuminated. Does that make me wiser than you? Well, it it might. (laughs) Obviously, I, I think I've got something going or I wouldn't have this podcast. But that doesn't mean I'm going to make your decisions for you. It doesn't mean that I'm going to impose my will upon you. Because I believe in self-governance and personal free will. I believe we have free will and that we need to exercise our free will. I do believe in the individual. So I'm not a fascist in any sense of the word. I'm the opposite of a fascist. I'm the opposite of a progressive. But my free will is to follow the Lord. My free will is to believe in the Father, is to believe that I come from the Father, that I am the fruit of the Pleroma, and that I will return to the Pleroma, and I will return to the Father on the ethereal plane. That's what I think. And that's how I am using my free will. I'm not using my free will to give it over to advertisers and to give it to social media. The individual is not a crock. This fellow with his, uh, I've already forgotten his name, but the guy that whose YouTube I watched this morning, he said that the individual is a crock, that there is no such true thing as individuality. Well, ha, that's not correct. We are each an individual, and you can't erase our individuality, because if you did that, then you would erase our free will. And we see right now a movement worldwide to erase individuality. And this move towards the erasure of individuality inevitably puts identity in its place. So we become part of an identity group. And now we are no longer individuals, but we are part of the identity. We need a belief system. You can't go around with no belief system. Everybody's got belief systems. It's the superstructure on which you hang all of the data that you run across. You know, we hear a lot about narratives nowadays. A narrative is the story you weave around the data points. This is happening, and that's happening, and this is happening, and that's happening. So now I'm going to tell a story that weaves them all together, and that's my story. That's called a narrative. That's based upon your point of view, upon your ideology in general. And the way I weave the stories together always privileges God's will and the Christ, because I am trusting that the Christ knows what's best for me, because I am a follower of the Christ. That's what, quote, makes me a Christian. Not because 
I go to church or don't go to church, or because I read the Bible or don't read the Bible, or because I've done this or that or listened to this or that person. No, I am a Christian because I believe in the Christ. People who argue that there is no such thing as the individual, well, that is a line of the Demiurge. Because the Demiurge, remember, wants ultimate and complete control. The Demiurge doesn't want you to think you have personal will. It doesn't want you to think that you are an individual. The Demiurge wants you to feel helpless and hopeless so that it can come along and order things for you and give you what you want so that you'll be happy and placated. I think the reason why magicians are given the desire of their heart when they do the right rituals is so they will be placated, so they will be happy. It's the same reason why the government gave out trillions of dollars due to, quote, COVID. It's to make people happy. Oh, money, money's coming in, fresh money. I've noticed that all the $100 bills floating around the past couple of years here in the United States, those are brand new minted dollar bills. They are play money. They are monopoly money. <laughs> They're just being printed. There's nothing behind them. They're just being printed. And they are circulating and flooding the market. They're flooding our towns and our pocketbooks. But you know, the more money you put in, the less each dollar is worth. It's logical. So if you print up a couple of trillion dollars in funny money, it's going to be worthless. That's what causes you to need a wheelbarrow of bills to pay for a loaf of bread, as the saying goes. So the Demiurge wants nothing more than to erase our individuality. The Demiurge wants us to have group identity. If we had no identity, we would have no free will. Now, identity is not the same as ego, because he doesn't know about the one he has conflated ego with the one, or with self, as we call it here on Gnostic Insights. By the way, this man did say something that was correct. We have multiple parts to our personalities. We have many sub-selves, as it's called in psychology. And part of our personal construct, you know, we've got the physical body, which, as we know, is built upon the material mud from chaos on up, and it's firmly in control of the demiurge. And then you've got our spirit squashed down on top of this physical reality and interweaved with it. Our one self is a complete representation. It's a fractal of the pleroma of the fullness of God. So we do have countless entities inside of us, if you are able to read down to the fractal level. So my meat mountain, my whoville that makes up my body is a complete representation of the pleroma of God. I have an entire universe inside of me. Yes, of course I can act according to various aeonic leadings. But on the other hand, because I am made also of material, and that material is built up from the Demiurge, and the Demiurge is the inverse of the Pleroma of God. The 
subcells of the demiurge, the archons of the demiurge, are inverses of the eons of the pleroma of God. They are the opposite. So if there is a virtue called honesty, there is a vice called dishonesty or lying. So if eons are truth-tellers, archons are liars. See how it works? They are the opposite. It's a pretty simple system to grasp. I have within my Whoville all of those archons too, but they are fractals of the demiurge. They are not fractals of the pleroma of God. And the pleroma trumps the demiurge. The pleroma is all of the eons of the fullness of God. The demiurge is just one fallen eon, and his archons are its fractals. And they are the inverse of the good of the eons. So yes, we do have demons running around. We do have demons inside of us. There are immaterial spirits for good and for ill contained within our spheres of operation, contained within my body, however you want to envision that. Those who don't believe in the fullness of God, those who don't believe in the Father and the eons and the Christ, and the Christ, remember, is the correcting algorithm for our degraded code. If you don't believe in that, then all you have is the Demiurge and the Archons. So the Demiurge and political systems, as I said, such as communism and socialism, they erode the individuality in favor of the rule of their all. And their all, unfortunately, is Demiurgic. It's not from God because they, they reject God. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the Pleroma. They certainly don't believe in the Christ. So obviously, it's not coming from that, right? It's coming from the bottom. Okay, now let's talk about duality. I keep hearing this phrase, oh, but duality isn't real. And I keep saying, what do you mean by duality? Of course, duality is real. Everything is a dialectic. It is nonsensical to claim there is no such thing as dualism. Black, white, life, death, day, night, honesty, lies, faithfulness, promiscuity, or faithfulness, perfidy. It would be the other word for lack of friendship or being a person that turns their back on someone they're supposed to be faithful to. These are dialectics. That's what it means to be a dialectic. Think of a line, and you've got things on either end of the line. Those are the polarities, the poles, the polar opposites. Our universe is dualistic. And I've noticed, again, that the people that say it isn't, that's because they don't believe in the Father. They're not embracing the duality of truth versus lies, of God versus evil, even of life versus death. So if you deny that there is such a thing as duality, then all that you have left is the material side of the ledger. And once again, that would be the egoic side. So the eons represent free will and liberty because it is only by living on the virtuous side of the ledger 
that you are freed from the bonds of the Demiurge. And you know, don't deny to me that the Demiurge has bonds. That's where the addictions come from. And we all know the pattern of addiction. At first, yo, yeah, I shouldn't do this. And, oh, well, I'll do it a little. And then next thing you know, you're absolutely down and deep into it. And then you have no free will anymore. Then you have to do it. Then you have to do it. And coming back from the addictions, whatever they are, whatever that addiction is, I don't care if it's watching television or shooting heroin or addictions to porn, whatever the addiction is, it never makes the person happy. Don't tell me those folks are happy. I can see it. Well, you know it. Are you happy? Is it working for you? At best, it causes you to be numb. At best, it causes you not to worry. You're satisfied because you are being satiated. You're being fed all you want. That is what the Demiurge promises. Buy into my system, surrender your free will, and we will take care of you. We know what's best. We will take care of you. We will fulfill all of your needs. But the deal is, they don't. If they did, that would be one thing, but they don't. Because everything the Demiurge says is a lie. And it's also an imitation of the truth. So I am saying things like, if you believe in the Pleroma or the Christ, then you will have life, joy, peace, happiness, true love, true compassion. This is how we are going to save the world. That sounds an awful lot like this guy when he's saying, okay, all you have to do is believe in the magic and do this and this and this as far as your magic rituals go. And if you do that really believing, then you can have the desires of your heart. Well, see, they sound similar, but they're not. Because I'm not trying to get the desires of my heart. I trust that if I do the will of God and I love Christ, Christ will give me the desires of my heart. And it works out that way. Maybe not as quickly as I want it all to, but it works out in the end. I'm planning to live a good long life. Therefore, I can take my time in getting these things that I believe I want or need. I'm not worried about them. But if I think I have to have it right now, if I think I have to have it today, then I'm going to push it. I'm going to push it. But that takes me out of God's will. That takes me out of God's plan and God's timing. Maybe there's a reason I'm supposed to be exactly here and now, right now, because I'm part of whatever's going on around me. I have to be here for my neighbors. I have to be here for you. I have to be here for the dogs and cats. If I said, no, I want what I want, and so therefore I'm going to wish upon this thing, and I'm going to push the river, I'm going to make it happen. Well, so long, neighbors, so long, friends, so long, podcast listeners, so long, dogs and cats. I won't be there for them. It's confusing if you don't have discernment. What you need is discernment. And it's very difficult to find discernment, to know truth from lies, to know good from bad, to know up from down. First off, if you don't even believe in polarities, if you don't believe in dualism. No, dualism is part of life. It's a necessary thing. And you will be a dualist if you love God. And if you don't love God, well then, you will find out. Revisit my podcast episode on the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and you will find out in one of those bardos the truth. Or 
You can become enlightened before you die and then just go straight up. One thing this fellow said that was true, he said it's a good idea to abandon our egos and then we'll know our larger role in the this interconnected world we live in. And by interconnected, of course, he was denying dualism, but we don't have to go there. We can say we are an interconnected world. I and thou are connected because we're on the same dialectical line. It's a polarity. Polarities aren't divisions. They are single lines we share. So we want to dethrone our ego because the ego has such a limited point of view. Not because the ego is evil, but because the ego really does only represent your needs and desires. Its point of view is strictly limited to what it can sense through this material body of ours. But the one self that we all share, it has everything in it. It knows everything. So what we want to do is dethrone our ego, take it off of the throne, but don't get rid of it because we need our ego. You need your ego. It takes care of you. Make sure you're fed. Make sure you're, you know, walking around happy. It's the thing that interacts with your neighbors is your ego. But your one true self is the thing that interacts with the one true pleroma with the Father above, and with the one true self that everybody has in them. So we overcome our egos by embracing the one, because we share it in common. And if I'm speaking truth to you, if I am loving you self to self, then yourself can feel that. It's very hard to love someone from the ego. That's ego to ego. And gee whiz, the best example of ego to ego, quote, love <laughs> is that Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. It's, it's a horror show. These people felt they were in love, but they're not. They're gigantic actor egos bumping up against each other and hurting each other, each trying to be greater than the other. Well, that's not love. So if you want to change yourself, the way to do it isn't to cast incantations or to create certain personal rituals that have power, because that power is coming from the demiurge or from the ego itself. The way to change yourself is to reduce the power of your ego and to accept the leading of the Father and the Christ and the Pleroma of God. That's why the tripartite tractate says there's only one thing you need to know. You come from the Father. You come from consciousness. And to consciousness you will return. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know anything else. The confusion is trying to find the answers written in stone all over the world. And the Demiurge is the God of this world. He created all of this world. So the clues you are finding out here, down here, those are generally demiurgic. You only need to go ethereal to find the actual truth. One last thing, because we're out of time. You remember that Twilight Zone episode uh, where the little boy, probably Billy Mummy, I think, wished the people he didn't like into the cornfield? Do you remember that Twilight Zone episode? It was this little boy 
who had great magical powers. He was a fantastic magician, and he made his desires come true, because any time someone crossed him or tried to discipline him or tried to tell him what's good for him or please spare us, help us all, he would turn them into an ear of corn and wish them away into the cornfield. Until, by the end of the play, basically, there's no one left but him. Because the child in the story doesn't have the wisdom to know how to apply his great, great magic power. Because if it's you employing your magic, it isn't for the all. It isn't God's will. It's not for the betterment. Trust that God knows better. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Christ. If you don't want to trust in Jesus, you can at least trust in Christ. Trust in the Father. Trust in the Pleroma. Trust in the Christ to know what's best. And your burden will be lifted. The chains of the Demiurge are heavy and oppressive. And in the end, do not lead to gnosis or joy or love. The Spirit of the Christ, the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, is light, like a dove. It lifts you up. It carries you. It eases your burdens. It makes you happier. It makes you joyful. And it gives you an unlimited reservoir of love to share with others. I hope this helps. God bless you. And onward and upward.